Hey, this, this week we want to go into a new series, um, a very similar, a similar series to what we've done in, in, in the past. Uh, we just felt like the Lord told us to call it what it is. Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. As a church, we're in a 40-day prayer challenge. Um, if you're not already in, just jump in. This series is going to take us to Easter and beyond. It's going to be great for us. Um, it's been great for our staff. We actually began this journey in January, and, and we're staying in it um, because we are not where we want to be in our communication with God. We are not where we want to be in, in hearing and having conversations with God. So I want to preach a message today a little bit different. Um, instead of our father, I, I want to preach a message called my father. I think that everybody has an idea of God, especially in South Louisiana, the southern United States. But they don't really call him their father. Maybe they understand that he is, but it's kind of like an absent daddy that's really only around when he's angry about something. Not necessarily like a personal Abba father who really wants to have an authentic relationship with you. Um, I want to refer back to Pastor Weston's message. I don't want to re-preach it, but I, I want to refer back to it. And while I'm doing this, if you want to turn to 1 Timothy chapter 2, and then obviously you can put a marker in Matthew chapter 6, because we're just going to hone in on that whole passage for about the next month or so. But last week, Pastor Weston, I, I thought he did a great job not filling the pulpit for me, but playing his role on the team. When, when somebody preaches here, it's not because just because I'm gone. It's because they have a role, and they're fulfilling their role as a team. Like, I have my part, they have their part, and when everybody does their part, then the team wins. When everybody does it, well... Thank God we don't pastor that church. But he did a great job last week. I love that he started out as a divine echo, just reminding us that it doesn't matter what you've done up to this point. It matters what you do today. Choose for yourself this day. So if you felt like you were disqualified up to this point, then do something different. And then expect different things to happen. You're not disqualified. Why? Because you weren't qualified before you dissed. Come on, somebody. The only way that you could be disqualified is if you were formerly qualified. But since you ain't never been qualified outside of the blood of Jesus, you can't be disqualified in the blood of Jesus. I told you I wasn't going to re-preach it. But, and then the second, the, I am called. And we all are. It's right there. Like we... I will preach this again. I got to go to the last point. And this is my first point for this week. I love how he ended. I am his. I just want to add to it. And Jesus paid for me. I am his. You are his. You want to know what your value is? Your value is what somebody was willing to pay. That's your value. What was your value to God? He spared not his own son. That's, it. That's your value to him. Oh, you might not believe it. I don't care if you believe it. He's already proven it. What's your value to Jesus? Jesus said, no greater love have any man than this, than he who would give his life for his friend. And then the apostle Paul confirmed that quotation from the mouth of his Savior when he said, God showed his own love for us in this. While we were still sinning, when you thought you were qualified in self-righteousness and you realized you weren't qualified in shame, while you were still sinning, Christ died for us. 1 Timothy chapter 2 says this, reading from the New Living Translation, and just as a quick, this was brought to my attention this past week in, in some of my own personal studies and because I don't just prepare for messages and then preach like I I listen to other people like I have pastors that I listen to and I study on my own but then sometimes God shows me things in my personal studies that I'm supposed to share with you one of those things this past week was uh, this idea of the new living translation which I really like it's easy to read it's easy to understand and it's actually a translation um, some of you you might like the message paraphrase 
I just needed to, to differentiate there that the message is not a translation. It's a paraphrase from a one and or maybe even a small group of individuals. I don't think it's evil. Like, I'm not against it. As long as it lines up with the translations. The New Living Translation is just as easy to understand, but it was a group of about 90 scholars coming together, and then it was presented and confirmed by another panel of people who have a God-fearing reverence for what he actually wants to say. Okay, So New Living Translation, just so you know, I tend to stick around New Living, ESV, New King James, NIV. People ask me all the time, there you go, there's my input. Verse 3 says, this is good and it pleases God our Savior. I want you to notice that the Apostle Paul in writing to his spiritual son Timothy did not differentiate between God and Jesus. He likened them unto the same. That God is our Savior just as Jesus is our Savior. Here's how he's going to go about this. Verse 4, God wants everyone to be saved. Okay, so in verse 1, God dealt with, or Paul dealt with Jehovah's Witness theology. And theology and doctrine are so important. In fact, you may come to this church for various of reasons, but if you stay at this church, it should be because of theology and doctrine. It shouldn't just be because you like the atmosphere, or you like the people, or you like the music. You shouldn't go somewhere just because that's where your family goes. You shouldn't go somewhere just because you like the coffee. Praise the Lord. I love it here. I'm very grateful. You shouldn't go somewhere because it's the nicest and most excellent. You should go and gather in the name of Jesus because that is the place where theology and doctrine carry the authority of God's word. And if it's not in line with his word, then we don't believe it. And if it's in his word, then we do. I'm glad that everybody agrees because I don't want you to change your mind in about seven minutes. I'm going somewhere. So God deals with God our Savior, Jesus our Savior, one likened unto the same. Jehovah's Witness don't believe that Jesus is God, neither do the Mormons. So that's why we believe differently. Let's keep going. Who wants everyone to be saved? That's why I'm not Calvinist. That's why I don't believe in predestination only. Because I believe it's ignorant. And some people are so educated that they become ignorant. It was ignorant to believe that God, the Father, would create someone to send them to heaven and create somebody else to send them to hell. That's how people become religious Pharisees. That they could consider themselves better or more elect than somebody else. How stupid is that? That's the only word for that. There are so many scriptures that cancel that mentality. God wants everyone... Why are we on verse 5? Verse 4. God wants everyone to be saved and everyone, say everyone, to understand the truth. Okay, it's why I plead the way that I plead. This is why I, like, it's, I don't preach, I plead. Like, I, I, I'm giving everything that I can give to, to, in my best attempt to convince a lot of people all at once to receive salvation because that's God's will and that everyone would understand the truth because the truth will set you free. And I'm telling you, I lived outside of it and I lived on the edge of it and being in the middle of it is the best way to live. This is God's will. All right, verse five, because y'all been in agreement up to this point. I just got to keep reading. It's, I didn't write it. I'm just the reader today. Verse five says, for there is... One God. Everybody say one. one. And one mediator. Everybody say one. one. There's one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity. Who is the reconciler? Jesus. God, humanity, sin, gap, blood, sealed. We're reconciled. The man. God incarnate, Jesus Christ our Lord. Why, why, is, why does he get to be? Why is he the only one? Oh, I'm glad you asked. Verse 6, because he gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. Oh, I'm his, and he paid for me. You are a child of God because Jesus paid for you to be a child of God. So stop acting like an orphan. 
Stop living in less than what God has for you and being satisfied with it. Begin to walk as a child of God. The Bible says you are joint heirs with Jesus. That means that everything that Jesus has, oh, I'm going to preach myself tired in this service and have nothing left for third. Everything that Jesus has access to, you have access to. If I thought there was about 300 people in here preach with me, we'd just take 45 minutes on the first point. But I'm going to keep moving. I'm going to keep moving. But you need to understand that you don't have limited access because you're in Jesus. So everything that Jesus has access to, you have access. And we ain't waiting until we get to heaven to have access to the one that already purchased and reconciled the authority that we can begin to operate in today as long as we truly discover what that authority is now listen if there's an idol in the way then you might feel like you don't have access because there's something in the way what is an idol i defined it a couple of weeks ago just in case you aren't here we think an idol is something that we worship that's not god that's part of it But what an idol is, is anything that we put our identity in that's not God. An idol is anything we find our significance in that's not God. I used to put my identity in women in baseball. Not God. I actually, in a season of life, recognized that I was putting my identity in whether I was successful in ministry, and I was defining success as to how many people I got to preach to, which is not biblical. You can make anything an idol. Anything that you put your significance in, anything that you find your security in, anything that you place your identity in that is not Jesus, your children have the propensity to become an idol. And by the way, they can't handle your identity. And neither can your job, and neither can your boss, and neither can your bank account, and the list goes on and on. Right? I gotta keep going. We understand According to that scripture, we have one. You all said, well, most of you said it out loud. You got some rebels in the room. That's okay. We're giving you space. You're a part of the family today. We'll just pretend like everybody said it. We all said and agreed that there was one mediator. What is a mediator? A mediator is an arbitrator, one who reconciled. What does that mean? It means Jesus bridged the gap of the broken covenant. Well, I never broke a covenant. Oh, yeah. If you lied one time, you're a liar. If you stole one piece of gum, you're a thief. Okay, so we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There is no one righteous, no, not one. You with me? We were all born with an Adamic nature, the nature of Adam. Adam was created in the garden. The woman was created from the rib of the man. God looked at them and called them Adam. He walked with God in the cool of the afternoon, and God gave him one responsibility. And you would say, don't eat of the fruit. No, the responsibility was, do what I ask. (laughs) Have you ever taken a child, brought them in real close so you don't scream and look like a psycho? (laughs) I have. (laughs) Yesterday. (laughs) Hadn't done it yet today because I hadn't seen them yet. You bring them in real close, and and you're trying to figure out in your adult mind, or adult, depending on where you're from in the state, why it's so hard for this little person to just do what you said. I was very clear. There were no discrepancies in my speech. I'm not your mama. I don't say one thing and mean another. (laughs) I don't make idle threats. (laughs) If I say it, I'm going to do it. If I say it, you going to do it. (laughs) I said just the way, like, I love you, but I will be, I like, in love, you know? Not with my hand, with a rod. The Bible told me to. (laughs) All right, it's not beat, not beat, don't. I should probably edit that part out. (laughs) I legitimately got Facebook blocked not too long ago because I was doing a hula hoop competition with Adeline and there was a picture and I said, I beat her. I was like, Facebook, seriously? There's porn all over everything in here. I get blocked. Give me a stinking God for everyone. So anyways, the child. Lord, how do I communicate to this child? It's not that hard to do what I say. 
I, that's not what I was asking. I didn't ask that. Because God would just immediately say back to me as a child, why is it so hard? That's our only, respo- our only responsibility. Just do, what, just do what I ask. Just all I need you to do is do what I say. Okay, because we didn't, we're fallen. The relationship, the covenant was broken. And then Jesus came in, shed his blood, and bridged the gap so that we could be reunited with our Father. How did he seal the covenant? With his blood. So he bridged the gap of the broken covenant with his blood. Oh, that's powerful. So we have one mediator. Lord, teach us to pray. Did you notice that Jesus did not say you needed to go to anybody else to pray? I'm going to take about three minutes here. And if you're not careful, I'm going to offend you. But I really just need to preach the word of God for just a second. I so desperately want to reveal the truth of the relationship that God desires to have with every person in this room and watching online live or later. That when we pray, I will say unequivocally, when we pray, we pray to Jesus. Hang on, hang on. Why? If my child, let's say one of my girls, goes to my son and says, hey, go ask daddy. And then he comes to me, my son comes to me and says, Emery wanted me to ask you. What's my answer? My answer is, why didn't Emery come ask me? So two things. Number one, I'm going, as a father, I'm going to be a little bit irritated. Let me take it to a staff level. This is just relational. If Pastor Weston, he's one of the only staff members never done this. Pastor Dylan, most of the guys don't go to my wife. That's not a good idea. But Pastor Weston comes to, let's say he goes to my sweet sister, even though I'm the golden child. And... (laughs) And he goes to her or he goes to my wife... And he's like, hey, would you go ask Chris? What? Dude, how old are you? You you know what? That's a sign of immaturity. You don't understand the relationship. If you think you have to go, are y'all okay? If you think you have to go to somebody else to get to me, then you don't understand the value of the relationship that I desire to have with you. If my daughter has my son come to me, then she doesn't understand how valuable she and her request are to me. In fact, not only am I going to be slightly offended, see, I'm saying today by example and scripture that when you go to somebody else and you have them go to Jesus or you go to somebody else and you have them go to the Father, that you don't understand how valuable your request is to the Father. And friends, hear me. Look, that's not intercession. That's offensive. Oh, my goodness. Did you hear that? Like one little tiny baby coughed and everybody could hear it. And, And let me take it a step further. If my child sends another child or my staff member sends somebody else to me, I'm, I'm going to see and realize as a father or as a leader, there's something wrong with my relationship with them. I'm, I'm going to think there's, there's something, there is a gap in my relationship with Emory Grace because she doesn't think she can come to me. So when the disciples came to Jesus, they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus said, pray this way. Our, 
for 5,000 years, Jewish people of God, believers, had been going to priests and prophets and asking priests and prophets to go to God. Since the mountain, when Moses came down and told the people to consecrate themselves, because in three days, God is going to reveal himself to you. And the glory of God came down off the mountain like a cloud coming to the people. And the people go, ah, no, 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 Moses, you go to God for us. And God was offended. And so Jesus came in, in the gospels, And he said, when you pray, pray this way. You ain't got to go to no priest. You ain't got to go to no prophet. You ain't got to go to no place. When you pray as God's people, you can say, as I get to say, our Father. (laughs) I'm not trying. It's just biblical. So I... So when I set my alarm for 610, and if you haven't, come on, jump in with us. A.M. or P.M. I don't think God cares when we pray. I just think he wants us to. A.M. or P.M. If you're not a morning person, hi, I'm Chris. I actually do it anyways because I'm too busy at 610 P.M. I would have loved to use Chronicles 714 just to have that hour. But I got too much junk going on at 714, so I was like, I got to suffer. The church going to do it with me. 610, we all going in together. Set your alarm. And when I set my alarm at 610, here's what I pray. My Father, Heavenly Father, I, I come to you in the name of Jesus. Because he's the one that paid for me to have access. And then I pray, holy is your name. Holy is your name. God, let your kingdom come in my life. God, let your kingdom come in my wife. Let your kingdom come in my children. God, let your kingdom come in this body of believers. Let your kingdom come in this community. God, bless me, oh God, and expand our territory of influence on behalf of your kingdom. Keep your hand upon me, oh Lord, and keep the evil one away from me. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in me as it is in heaven. Now, I don't shout like that at 6 Tim because Megan is a morning person. <laughs> Megan's still asleep. She's a PMer, okay? <laughs> Megan's like a double digit kind of person. You know what I'm saying? Like 959, 10, here I am. <laughs> Until the next 10. Then she only has one slipper and everything turns into pumpkins. All right. <laughs> Point number two. When you pray like he is your father, he will answer. When you, when you pray like he's your daddy, he will answer. A, a good daddy, a good daddy does not ignore the voice of his child, unless it's during an LSU football game. But God's not doing that right now because it's baseball season. A good daddy hears and heeds to the voice of his child. There's scripture after scripture that proves it. Okay, so if we believe everything up to this point, here's, here's what I need to say. And I, I'm not, again, I'm not trying, I'm just trying to be biblical. I want to reveal this. But as far as this house goes, as far as this church goes, and I want everybody, even if you don't agree with this, I want you to give God time to reveal the truth of his word. According to the Bible, I rebuke the idea in the name of Jesus of having to go to anybody else but Jesus to get to the Father. Why? Because you don't understand your value if you think you gotta go to somebody else. And there may be something wrong in your relationship if you don't understand that you are His because He paid for you. And so now, because He paid for you and you are His, Hebrews chapter six says that we have a high priest who was tempted in every way, but without sin. So when we step into him, we step out of darkness and into the light. For Jesus 
allows us the opportunity to what? To approach the throne of grace with boldness. That at that throne of grace, we would find mercy and receive the grace that is sufficient for our every need in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see how beautiful the word of God is when you begin to learn it and apply it to your life? It doesn't matter what I was taught up to the point that I read God's word and it said something different. At this church, we believe this book. If it's in this book, we believe it. If it's not in this book, we compare it to this book and see how it lines up. I'm not trying to be offensive. I actually just want to be empowering. I want to empower you to pray to the Father like he is your father, and he will answer. I told a story when I was a kid. My dad took me to the 94, I think, NFC championship game between the Dallas Cowboys and the San Francisco 49ers, and, um, which made me a Cowboys fan, obviously. And, and I still had my favorite player on the Saints was Morton, Morton Anderson because he scored more than anybody else. I'm sorry. And uh, he was the kicker. Just anyways. All right. So I re- <laughs> when I was a kid, all the Saints fans had bags on their head and Troy Aikman was winning Super Bowls. Okay. So my dad took me to the game and I still wanted him to win and I cheered for him and I hate the Falcons just like everybody else. I hate Falcons, period. I'll shoot them with BB guns just to get rid of them and record it live in front of game wardens just so that that was a joke. I don't really do that. You can't prove it. So my dad took me to the Cowboys game, and, and the Dallas Cowboys beat the 49ers. Troy Aikman got hurt. Bernie Kosar came in, backup quarterback from the Browns that nobody cared about until he won the NFC Championship game. And then he sat on the bench and watched Troy Aikman win the Super Bowl, which I thought was pretty jacked up. But I got his autograph. After the game, my dad took me down to where the players came out. It was just me and him. We stayed like five minutes away at a Motel 6 because – that's where we stayed. How we didn't bring, but maybe we did have bed bugs. I just didn't know it. Anyways, that's where we stayed. And we were right across this, like the, underneath the bridge is where we walked to. And my dad would let me go. Like at first he was kind of trying to stay with me, but I would weave my way through the people. And I had this hat. It's a white Dallas Cowboys hat. I still have it hanging somewhere and it'd pop up in the air. And then the player would take the hat and sign it. And then I'd go, and I'd go back to my dad. All right, and I did that with Tony Casillas and Dixon Edwards and Bernie Kosar, and I had some other people. Well, then Michael Irvin came out, number 88, and he was a jerk. Um, but I still liked him, you know, because we idolize athletes. That's another sermon for another day. So I, I weaved my way in, and, and my dad watched me, and my, my hat poop, popped up in the air. And as I was getting through, and Michael wasn't getting my hat, and I was, and people were starting to push me, and so my hat was kind of doing, and then all of a sudden, Michael Irvin's bodyguard, um, no offense to any of the guys in this community that think they're so big and bad, but you ain't Michael Irvin's bodyguard, (laughs) and this dude was, and he starts pushing people because Michael needs to go, and he's pushing people out of the way, and I'm like, daddy! And I yell really loud, sorry if the microphone didn't suppress, like it's supposed to. Um, they're like, daddy, daddy. And, and all of a sudden, my like six foot pot belly daddy <laughs> comes, I'm talk, busting through the crowd, moving people. But, and he walks up to the chest of Michael Irvin's bodyguard and goes, hey. They just woke like 10 people up. Okay. And that bodyguard, I was like, he's going to kill my dad. And my dad looked at him and he said, you're stepping on my son. And the guy goes, I'm sorry, sir. He picked me up and I'm like, mm. <laughs> my dad takes me by the hand and we walk away from the crowd. Here's the point. When I called, my daddy came. And there was nothing and nobody that was going to get in his way from getting to his child. That's who he is. When you call upon him 
as the father that he is, he will come. I messaged our superintendent this past week, not of our state, Pastor Scott Holmes. He does an incredible job, but I I went all the way to the top of the Assemblies of God for this illustration this week in the the U.S. Assemblies of God. I I sent a message to Pastor Doug Clay. I I try not to take advantage of those divine connections that God has given me at this point for whatever reason, but he telling us a story as pastors when he was he was running on the treadmill and my first thought was like why would you run on something that doesn't go anywhere anyways um (laughs) so he's running on the treadmill and he and he he felt like he had a word from god he was just kind of praying and thinking and he grabbed a note card and he wrote down what the lord said to him and then he just kept running And they read that note card later, and the Lord told him, he said, I want you to tell every assembly of God, church, pastor, affiliate that you get in front of for the next year, that this is a divine word from me. So I sent Pastor Doug a message like, hey, man, sorry to bother you. Thank you for your time. At your convenience, would you please send me a picture of your card? I want to use it as an illustration for our church this weekend. I want them to see your handwriting from hearing from the Lord. And he goes, Chris... I'm so sorry. The card is on a podium in Cuba. I forgot it. And I was like, oh, that stinks. I'm not laughing. That's what I messaged back to him. I probably shouldn't have said that, but, you know, I'm me. So that stinks. I'm not laughing. And I said, you're still awesome. I'll use what I know what it says. I'll use. He goes, I'm not awesome. One of our Cuban pastors has my illustration, and I can't get it back. And I was like, nah, it's probably in the trash. Let's just be totally honest. It's probably in the trash. Here's what it says. He's running on the treadmill. He said, tell my people to stop focusing on unanswered prayers and focus on unoffered prayers. This is from the general superintendent of the Assemblies of God. Tell my people to stop focusing on unanswered prayers. You ever had a child come to you and ask you something, and you're like, I can't, I can't do that, like right now? What if they got mad at you because of what you said in response to them, and they didn't want to have a relationship with, anymore, with you anymore because you didn't answer the way that they wanted you to answer or when or how? The Lord told our superintendent, he told me personally, Stop focusing on unanswered prayers and focus on unoffered prayers. And here, I love this part. And then Pastor Doug in a room full of pastors that just all of a sudden became sons and daughters. He said, today we're going to pray because some of you stopped offering prayers that weren't answered the way that you wanted them to be. And God said, don't stop offering your unanswered prayers. This past week, I just want to leave that up there because some people are taking pictures. This past week, I had an opportunity to sit with one of our young ministers pursuing credentials with the Assemblies of God. Um, I didn't have enough to do, so I got elected to a position here in the state as sarcasm. Um, but one of the responsibilities, I actually love it, and one of the responsibilities is that I get to interview like our ministers who are either receiving certification as a minister with the Assemblies of God, which requires like nine courses and it's more than $50 on the internet. It's crazy. Um, Because we don't count that. Anyways, (laughs) I'm sorry, I shouldn't, but I did. And then then you become licensed and then once you hold your license in good standing for at least two years, you receive your ordination. It's kind of hard to get, it's a big deal. And this young guy was receiving, younger than me guy, was receiving his credentials at the license level. He'd taken all the courses, he'd done all the work, and he'd come up here to interview, and so it's like the only thing standing between him and his credentials is me. <laughs> it's like, and dude, my man, I think he'd be all right with me. He was, he was a little tight, like he was a little nervine, you know, not, not all that confident. And so, like, I took off my, I had a jacket, and I, I, and I took all that stuff, and I just had a t-shirt. I was like, look, bro, tennis shoes, I got my shorts on underneath here. I'm going to the gym, and, like, whenever we get done, 
and I take my hat off, my hair's messed up, like, it's mano y mano. Take a deep breath, relax. I'm not here so you can't get your credentials. That's not the purpose of this. I just want to get to know you. So tell me your story. Here's how he opened. Pastor Chris, five years ago, I was riding a bicycle across the street from this church. And I fit the stereotype. I was lost, I was addicted, I was bound. Right here in Eunice, this is where I lived. I said, five years ago, dude, I was here. He goes, yeah, you were. He said, one day I, I, just, I just had enough. You ever been living a certain way for so long and so many things, it's like you just finally get to the place, you're like, you know what, this is not working. Surely God has a better plan than this. He said, I was sitting in my mom's house, who at the time was also an addict. I think he said on uh, Macy or Maxi Street. You don't, you don't have to correct me out loud. Just go look. You know, if you know. Good for you. But he was there in the living room. He said, I was just frustrated. He's probably high, messed up. Maybe he was messed up. Which, sorry. He's looking at the door. He's looking at the door. When it gets intense, I unintentionally add sarcasm or humor to lighten the mood. He's looking at the door and he's like, you know, there's, there's a lot of gods. And that kind of struck me funny at first. I was like, uh, you do know you're interviewing for credentials today, right? But then he's right. There are a lot of gods. There's a lot of little G gods. We call them demons. Powers and principalities, there's a lot of little G-gods, and a lot of people put their identity in all these little G-gods. But there's only one true God. And so Scotty looks at the door and he's like, look, I don't know which one you are, but I want to know if you'll tell me like I'm ready. I just need you to show me. He said, Pastor Chris, I was looking at that door and I don't, he didn't describe it as like a trance. He just said, I I just had this vision. Maybe he meant an idea. Maybe he meant like a legitimate out of body experience. But he said, I just saw, I saw light shining down from the sky and in the middle of the light, as if it was like the valve through which the light was coming was a crown of thorns. I was like, bro, that's cool. He goes, yeah, I know. This Monday, he interviewed for his license with the Assemblies of God. On the same day as his two-year wedding anniversary, I prayed, I I really hope their schedule allows for them to be here with us this weekend. I was like, hang on, Tom. You're interviewing for credentials on your second wedding anniversary? So side trail, we need to talk about this for just a moment. Can I give you some marriage advice? (laughs) This was a bad idea. (laughs) You don't need to be, you need to leave my man right now. Like we can reschedule. He's like, he said, no, no, no. My wife was so excited that it just happened to let our two year wedding anniversary is the same day that I'm interviewing for credentials. Scotty Amen becoming licensed with the Assemblies of God five years ago was a meth addict riding around in this community on a bicycle. Today, he is the director of the Arnoldville, Louisiana Adult and Teen Challenge. Don't tell me that we need to stop offering unanswered prayers. You keep praying. You keep praying and you keep believing. And when you don't know who else or what else to pray, you pray to God like he is your father and he, according to the testimony of one of our newest licensed credentialed ministers, he will answer you. Number three, number three, when we surrender and when we seek him. Man, there's always that if. See, if you don't surrender and you don't seek him, I'm not trying to be ugly. You will never find God. You know how many people I say, I have to, I mean, I pray all the time. It doesn't matter. God's not listening to you. I've seen your social media. 
You are willfully continuing in sin. And my Bible says that the Lord is far from the wicked. He is not listening to you when you are willfully continuing in your wickedness. There's one prayer that God will hear, and it's actually in that promise. Oh, but he hears the cries of the righteous. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs, it's not in your notes, that whoever covers his sin shall not prosper. One version actually says, the Lord does not listen to the wicked. That's tough. Fit that into your theology. Well, that's not what I was taught. Well, if you, what you were taught is not in the Bible, I don't know what else to do. And or if the Bible says something that goes against what we were taught, maybe we should test what we were taught to see if that's what God said. Okay, it's not that he's up there angry, ready to kick everybody and smash everybody that doesn't do what he wants. He says he hears the prayers of the righteous. And then Proverbs chapter 28 verse 13 says, whoever covers sin shall not prosper. This is good news though. Whoever confesses and forsakes the sin, they will be given mercy. God is waiting for you to stop praying about all the byproducts and come deal with the actual issue, which is your sin and my sin separates us from a relationship that he wants to have with us. But when we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive. When we repent in Christ, Christ, come on, he became sin who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of God. God wasn't listening to all the petty stuff yesterday, but when I cried out to him with a voice of confession and repentance, he hears me from heaven and he answers me. It's not bad news like, oh, God doesn't listen to me. Not if you don't want to live for him. Hey, Dad, I need some money. For what? I, I want to buy some dope. No! Why, why would I give you... Dad, can I take your truck? I want to see if it'll do 110. No, stupid! Why would I enable you to go sin? Why would I enable you to go do things I know are going to be harmful for you? I'm not listening to, don't ask me that again. Dad, I need your help. What do you need? You need my, what do you need? I'll give you whatever I have if I can help you. At 19 years old, I wandered into an Assembly of God church. I'd wandered into a lot of churches. And every one of them did a little bit of what I needed at that time. But I walked into Shreveport Community Church, which was First Assembly of God Shreveport. And in the middle of the service, like we do during worship, Pastor Denny Duran called for prayer. If anybody needed prayer for healing or salvation or whatever, just like we do every week. We don't do it because Pastor Denny did it. We do it because it's in the Bible. Pastor Denny did it because it's in the Bible. And a broken hurting, lost, fallen, backslidden. I don't care what you want to call me. I wasn't living for Jesus. You can define it theologically however you want to. I wasn't following Jesus and I was going to hell. And I walked down the front of that church and I walked up to Philip Dees, who is now the pastor of a church in Bossier and a great friend of mine. And I didn't even know who he was, except for I had an idea that this dude used to be the quarterback at Evangel and played Division I football, so he'd understand. He's an athlete. I need help. Hey, I hurt my back. I need God to heal it. And this dude starts praying for my life. Like, I didn't ask for I, I need my, my back. I said my back. <laughs> my lumbar. The doctors told me I can't play baseball unless I have surgery. I can't lift. I can't train. I can't do anything. I'm about to lose scholarships. I need you to pray for my back. He starts praying for my life and my heart. And then he says, and God, if it's your will, reveal yourself, heal us back and use him for your glory. And at that moment, listen, I don't go on feeling, but this is why we pray. At that moment, I sensed the fire of God hit the top of my head and come down into the lumbar of my back and burn like somebody was rubbing icy hot on it. Now, it was still a process before I was healed. I'll spare you my story. Let me show you just a glimpse 
of what this story, because I began to surrender. Now, it was actually two years before I fully surrendered my life to Jesus, and I paid for that too. But a glimpse of what God has done just thus far with this picture that Micah put together for me. See, when you surrender to God and you seek Him, the Bible says to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above. See, when I surrendered to Jesus, I didn't see that. I didn't see my wife walking in her calling. I didn't see Adeline and Emery and Gabriel beginning to practice in fine arts and discover their purpose and impact eternity. And God doesn't love my children any more than he loves you. But what he has for you is tied to your willingness to surrender and seek him. You want me to prove? I can prove it. Everybody likes to quote Jeremiah 29, 11. I'm not bragging on my family. I'm bragging on Jesus. I don't know what would have happened to them if I would not have decided to surrender and seek him. Because I had been apart from Jesus and I had had a foot in with Jesus. And I don't think that lukewarm or lost would have fit the bill for what God had for them. Come on, but when you go all in, let me prove it. Jeremiah 29, 11. This one's not in your notes. Everybody likes to quote this one. Jeremiah's like, oh, I, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Hey, plans to prosper you and not to harm. Plans to give you hope and a future. Verse 12. Then you will call upon me, and you will come to me. This is not about inheriting the promised land. This is about worshiping in the wilderness. You will call upon me and I will come and you will pray to me and I will hear you. Verse 13 says, you will seek me and you will find me if. If you seek me with your whole heart. What is the first and the greatest commandment? that you would love the Lord. Jesus is going, I'm so that you would love God, your Father, with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Everything that you are would be His because He so desperately desires to have you. I'm closing with this scripture. See, God revealed Himself to Scotty Amen. And God revealed himself to Chris and Megan Fry. But Scotty and Chris and Megan and anybody that you prayed with and anybody that you asked to pray for you, God will reveal himself to you, but you have to respond when he reveals. He revealed himself to Scotty Amen, but Scotty Amen had to respond to the revelation. So you have a decision. Will I continue to rebel? Because I believe that God has revealed himself through this message in this service today. Why do I believe that? Because that's what I asked him to do. <laughs> you have to respond. So Joshua brings the people of God together in Joshua chapter three, and he says to the people, consecrate yourselves. Identify what you're doing that you don't need to do. Identify what you're not doing that you do need to do. Consecrate yourself. Set your alarm for 610. Go on a prayer journey. Fast again if you need to fast again. Confess again if you need to confess again. Repent again if you need to repent again. Whatever you have to do, do whatever it is because God is ready to do something, but He can't do what He wants to do until we begin to do what He's already told us to do. Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. Oh, don't you stop praying. Oh, I, I, I don't want to keep us here too much longer. If we were at a conference, we'd just go for 25 minutes right here. Tomorrow, I am believing God for some tomorrows in the prayers of some people today.
I don't know if your tomorrow will be tomorrow or if it'll be 10 tomorrows or 100 tomorrows or 1,000 tomorrows. I'm just telling you that if you won't stop praying and you'll keep confessing and you'll keep repenting and you will continue to ask, you will receive. You'll continue to knock. The door will be opened. You continue to seek and ye shall find. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of these things will be added unto you. It's a promise from the maker and the keeper. Tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Verse 6, this is for everybody. Joshua said to the priest, you know, the people that knew they had access to the presence, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on before the people. Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on before the people. The Bible says, so they took up the Ark of the Covenant and they went before the people. Here's how I'm closing today. Just leave that up there for a second. Stop praying for God to get you out of stuff. I'm not, I'm not telling you to stop asking other people to agree with you in prayer, but nobody can pray for you in your place. See, only you can pray for you. Other people can pray with you. And we can pray one for another. We can come together in the name of Jesus and agree that what God has in heaven, he will reveal on earth. But nobody can get saved for you. Nobody can receive relationship for you. Nobody can pray for your family for you. They can pray with you. Stop praying for and start praying with. Somebody has got to come to a place where they consecrate themselves because they realize that God has a tomorrow for this area. God has a tomorrow for the people in their lives. Somebody has got to consecrate because God, I believe this with all of my heart, he is ready to do wonders through the people that stop telling him what they want and start seeking what he wants. He is ready to do wonders with the people that will take up the ark of the covenant, that will take up the presence of God, not just attend a service and be satisfied until they may be coming back next week, but some people who will take up the presence of God and they will pass before the people with the presence because when the priest and the people of God who knew they had access to the Father took up the presence of God and passed before the people, the river couldn't contain what God was about to do through the people that were passing through. So stop asking God to get you out of what you're in and start asking God to get you through in the name of Jesus by the power of the Spirit. Take up the ark. Take up the presence. Pass before the people and watch God do wonders in you. Not just me. In you. Because you are His. Oh, he paid for you. Pray like he's your father, my father in heaven. And he will answer you if, oh man, if you surrender your whole heart and you seek him with your entire being.